want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. We'll pick up where we left off last time. As you do that, I want to tell you about a story that, uh, about a young man. It was 95 years ago, 1925, that this young man started college on a football scholarship to the University of Southern California. He was a very talented athlete, had a lot of potential on the field, and after playing on the team for two years, he was out uh, at the beach body surfing, and he uh, sustained an injury that uh, prevented him from being able to play. He, he, an injury, uh, injury sidelined him. Uh, he lost his scholarship, unable to pay for college. He had to drop out of college, wondered what he was going to do. He was close with his football coach, of course, and being in California, the football coach there at UC, uh, USC had some connections and uh, connections to some movie studios, and so he got the young man a job carrying props back and forth on the movie studio, and the young man, through that job, he was, he was carrying props back and forth for a little while. Every once in a while, he was asked to be an extra in the background of a movie, and throughout his time doing that, he built relationships with actors and directors until finally, uh, eventually, he was, he was asked to uh, play a supporting role in a movie, and eventually he began getting lead roles in movies, uh, and he went on to become one of the most famous actors in the United States and really in the world. Uh, some of you that are old enough to remember may remember him. He won an Oscar for a movie that he made with an Arkansan about something that took place in Arkansas. The name that he was born with was Marion Robert Morrison, but you probably know him better of his stage name, which was John Wayne. Now, I know that today the name and person of John Wayne sometimes could be controversial among some in today's culture, but regardless of what you think about him politically, uh, this part of his story reminds us that life is not easy. Sometimes, sometimes we are faced with challenges and with things in life that, uh, that, that, are, that are hard to deal with. Sometimes we, we, we face things that at the time they just don't seem fair, but in the end, those times, uh, those things that happen often can put us in a better position to receive and enjoy the blessings that are coming our way that are still ahead of us. In the 80s, where we pick up here in Revelation 2, this is a very difficult time and a very difficult place to be a Christian, to be a believer in Christ. This is a place called Smyrna. This was a church whose members were emotionally and many times physically crushed by the culture of the, the, the Roman culture, or the Gentile culture, which the Gentile would be the the non-believing, non-Jewish culture. Uh, they hated the Christians. The, the, the Hellenistic world scoffed at them. They persecuted them. They often executed them for their faith, because of their faith. Because they did something wrong? No, because they did things right, and yet they were heavily persecuted. I'm sure that, that for them in that day, in, in, in the 80s, 90s, in Smyrna, when you're trying to do the right thing and people are like killing, killing your family members and killing your friends and torturing them and persecuting them, 
I'm sure that you might look around at some point and, and, and wonder and think, boy, this is just not fair. I, I'm sure at some point someone would have had to have asked the question, why me? Why now? Why this? And, and uh, you know, Jesus sends them a special message. He understands what they're going through, and he sends them a special message encouraging them to remain faithful. And as we read this, we can see some characteristics of a Christ who enables those who are crushed to be faithful in the midst of suffering. So we're in Revelation 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 11. Write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. The first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life says, I know your affliction and poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will have difficult affliction for ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The victor will never be harmed by the second death. Father, we pray uh, this morning as we dive deep into your word here, Father, that you would help us to understand these principles and these characteristics of our great Savior and Lord. And Father, may we be encouraged to move forward in our faith today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First thing I want you to see here is that Christ is powerful. When we see this letter, we see some characteristics of a Christ who allows us to be faithful even while we suffer, and the first, very first thing that we see is that Christ is powerful. Thus says the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. Jesus wanted them to know that he is powerful. Because the Christians in Smyrna were not, they were one of the most powerless groups in this very powerful city. So the city was considered influential. The city was considered powerful and desirable to live in. The people that lived there often were people of influence unless you were a Christian. Because the Roman emperor, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the Roman emperor at the time, Domitian, was systematically persecuting Christians as enemy of the state. So followers of Christ were being arrested, beaten, imprisoned, executed, and and I'm sure many of them in the church felt and in, uh, in, in sensed the, uh, the, the, the powerlessness of their humanity. I mean, I, they would have felt completely powerless uh, as they faced a very powerful culture, uh, very powerful traditions from a very powerful leader and a very powerful government. And Jesus shows up and he says, I want you to be faithful to me. And the first thing he says to them is, I am powerful. Jesus reminds them that he is powerful. When, when Jesus uses this phrase that says, thus says, or this is what I say, this is, these words are coming from the first and the last, that, that is a specific title, a term that is reserved 
for God and God alone. We see it through the Old Testament. And one example was Isaiah 44, 6. This is what the Lord, the King of Israel and its Redeemer, the Lord of armies, says, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God but me. See, Jesus is reminding them of who he is. This is an authoritative title. He's saying, I know there's government authorities that are pressing down on you, that are, uh, that, are, um, that are persecuting you, but I want you to know that I am a higher authority than that of the culture. He also reminds them that he is risen from the dead. Thus says the first and last, the one who is dead and came to life. In, in a world where Christians were suffering, in a world where the ultimate earthly penalty for your Christianity, uh, it may cost you your life. Many Christians would have feared torture and they would have feared death. And Jesus wanted to remind them that death could not hold him. And because of that, death will not hold the people of God. Paul tells us in, in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he tells us that because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, that we have the same hope to be resurrected one day. And so, you know, it reminds me of, 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 of a song that we sometimes sing called What a Beautiful Name It Is. And there's a lyric in there that we're, where we're singing to God and we're talking about his name, the powerfulness of his name, the holiness of his name, the beauty of his name. And there was a lyric where it says, Death could not hold you and the veil tore before you and you silenced the boast of sin and the grave, Jesus wanted them to know that he is victorious over everything, even, even victorious over death. See, I, I don't know what you might be going through today, and I don't know what, 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 what you have faced in your life, but I, but I want to ask you this question. Are you in the will of God? Are you in the will of God? That is a very important question because... A lot of times when people suffer, you know, we talk about the power of God that is available to those that suffer. But we have to understand that the power of God is available to those who are in the will of God, okay? So, uh, so if you're in the will of God and you're trusting God and He is leading you and He leads you to do something that is hard, He leads you to do something that seems like it might be impossible, we can trust the heart and the will of God. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we in the will of God? The, the, the Christians in Smyrna were not perfect people, but this is a people, a group of believers who most obviously were in the will of God. Because he says, remain faithful. They have been faithful up until this point. He's telling them, remain faithful. Don't step out of my will. Things are going to get hard. It's going to seem like it's not fair. It's going to seem impossible. But, but Jesus is the ultimate authority and he is ultimately victorious over, over, over life and death and we can trust him. We see uh, that Christ is powerful but we also see that he is perceiving Jesus says, I know your affliction or your tribulation. Some of your translations will say uh, the poverty. And he, he says the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not. You see, 
There's a popular movement that's been, been going on for a long time in Christianity that many of us call the prosperity gospel. Uh, there's, this, there's this way of thinking and way of teaching in which, uh, in which Bible teachers will, will preach the word. They'll take something in the word of God and twist it a little bit as they present it. And what they do is they, 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 they leave you with the impression that if you would just believe in Jesus, everything in your life is going to be okay. It's going to be, you know, butterflies and roses and chocolate hearts for the rest of your life if you would just go to church and believe in Jesus. But friends, listen, that just is not true. Are there blessings that come from being in Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Jesus never promises that your life is going to be easy. And a lot of times we, uh, you know, a lot of times we think, well, man, God just doesn't know. He just doesn't know. No one can really know how hard my life is. And we see that there is a God who is powerful and he is perceiving. He knows the things that we are going through. Uh, remember uh, that the, uh, the Christians were being heavily afflicted in the Roman culture in that day. In fact, you know, the prosperity gospel teachers will say, if you'll just trust in Jesus, your life will be easier. But for the Smyrna Christian, it was because they were believers, because they wanted to remain faithful, that their life was harder. It was much harder because, remember, they're being persecuted by the Roman emperor. The Roman emperor Domitian had demanded that people worship him. He demanded to be referred to uh, with the title of Lord and God and to show allegiance to the mission and to the government and to the, to the religion of the government. And that day, once a year, a Roman citizen was required to go and pinch just a little, just a, just a small little thing of incense and and, uh, and, and take it and, and, and burn it at the altar of Caesar. And, and, and having do, done so, uh, you know, he would have to proclaim that Caesar is God. And when he did that, he was given a certificate uh, of, of being in good standing with the Roman government for that year. But see, the problem was that the Christians would not give or would not recognize anybody as the title of Lord and God other than Jesus, so you can understand the systematic persecution and the problems that they faced. And Jesus says, I know all about it. He says, I, I, I know that, that you're suffering. I, I know that life is hard. Remember, as they looked around, they were in a community that was booming with business. The people that lived there were influential. They were, uh, they were powerful. And yet the people who were believers in that city, they were poor. You know, they, they were rejected. They, they were kind of canceled by their culture, if you will, because, because of their faith. No one wanted to be associated with them. Also, Jews hated Christians. And these Jews, that, that many of them would have been related to these Christian believers because these Christian believers... Many of them first were Jews before they were converted into Christians. And, and so their family, their friends, the subculture they come out of is 
persecuting them and is rejecting them. And, and man, can you imagine how difficult that would have been? People that you have known for years and loved and respected, and they're slandering you, dragging you through the mud publicly because of your desire to remain faithful to Jesus. Because you remember the Jewish culture in that day, they didn't recognize the Messiahship of Jesus. See, Jesus was the Messiah, and the Jewish leaders did a good job of, uh, of deceiving many of the Jews in the culture and rejecting the lordship and messiahship of Jesus. So they had some big theological differences. And so, uh, listen, we're living in a day-to-day when being devoted to Christ is going to cost you, okay? Just like it costs the, the, the Christians in Smyrna, it's going to cost you and it's going to cost me. It could cost us social status. It could cost us uh, financially. It, it, it could cost us um, in the workplace. It could cost us with our friendships, with our relationships. But we live in a day when it is difficult to be a person who says, I believe in the things of this book and I want to remain faithful to the principles here. It's not so hard, really, to be honest with you, just to call yourself a Christian. Because, you know, anybody can say they're a Christian, but that doesn't mean that they believe anything that's in this book. Okay? So if you're going to be people of the book, it's going to cost you in, in the culture in which we live in. And here's the deal. That is not lost on Christ. Okay? He knows. He perceives. He knows your struggle. Because, number one, he sees it. I mean, he's God, right? He sees all things. He knows the thoughts that are in your mind right now. And some of you went, uh-oh, right? Uh, he knows everything. Not only does he know it, but he, he perceives it because he experienced it. All these things that Jesus says, I, I know what you're dealing with to the Smyrnans. These are all things that Jesus dealt with. Jesus was mistreated by his culture. Remember from day one, Herod put a bounty out on Jesus' head as a baby. He wanted to kill him. And how did he die? Well, he was executed by Pilate as an enemy of the state because of his stand on the thing, his teachings about the things of his faith. Here was someone who was mistreated by the culture and the government. Uh, Jesus was not a rich man. Remember, where was he born? Was he born in a palace, the king of kings and lord of lords? No, he was born in a stable, a dirty, nasty, stinky stable. Jesus understood what it meant to be poor. And Jesus was slandered by the Jews. If you read the New Testament, you see that the Jewish leaders did not like him. They always uh, said, well, by what authority are you doing that, Jesus? Well, hey, Jesus, I got a trick question here. Uh, should you pay taxes to Caesar or should you pay your tithes? Ah, which one's more important? Hey, Jesus, of all the, the commandments, which one is the most important? Hey, guys, we're going to get him right here, right? That They were always attacking Jesus. And then behind his back, someone would come and say, look at what he did. He healed the blind. He raised the dead. And they'd say, his power comes from the devil. See, they were slandering Jesus. He knew all about all of these things. And so here, here's what I want you to understand. We do not serve a God who is distant and clueless. He is not distant from 
from your struggles. He is not clueless to what is going on in your life. Listen, there's nothing that you will ever face in this life that Jesus does not know, that does not perceive, and does not see. The other thing I want you to understand, and this is just common sense. This is what you're going to teach your kids, right? Sometimes the right thing is the hard thing. Sometimes the right thing to do is not the most easy thing to do. And so when we understand his power and the fact that he perceives and he knows what's going on, then we understand that there is a Christ that we can trust even when he leads us to do that which is hard or that which seems impossible. We know that we can trust him and he has a reason. He's powerful. He's perceiving. Number three, he's pressing. He's pressing. Look what he says. uh, First part of verse 10, he says, Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. He says, look, the devil's about to throw some of you in a prison to test you, and you will experience affliction or tribulation for 10 days. But he says, be faithful to the point of death. Now, Now, a lot of people have theories about the 10 days, you know, you get into the book of Revelation, everybody's got a theory about every little thing, and, and I don't know, I'm not saying that none of that's true, but, but the point of this passage is the same, remain faithful, no matter what, to the point of death. He says, there's coming a time when things are going to get worse for a lot of you, and the call of God is to honor him, even if it costs you your own life. 60 years from this point, Smyrna would see this publicly lived out. Uh, It was the bishop of Smyrna, the man who was leading the church in Smyrna at that time, named Polycarp, who had been a disciple originally as a boy, was discipled by John, who wrote the book of Revelation. And uh, Polycarp was, uh, was eventually martyred for his faith in Christ. He was arrested uh, at the request of an angry mob who said, away, from, away with the atheists. Now remember, in the Roman culture, an atheist was anybody who did not believe in multiple gods. And so, so because the, the Christians believed in only one God, they were referred to in that culture as atheists. And they said, away with atheists. Let, let, let's go get this Polycarp God. He was 86 years old given this opportunity to renounce Jesus. There was an official there that really didn't want to see him have to die. And the official says, what harm is it? Is there in saying that uh, Caesar is Lord? But Polycarp refused. And so they entered into the stadium where the executions would take place. And, and, uh, and people were saying, listen, swear to Caesar. Swear to Caesar, you know. Uh, renounce this Christianity, faith, and, and then the official specifically and publicly a, a, attempted to get Polycarp to renounce his faith. He says, swear and I will set you free. Reproach Christ. And the 86-year-old man said this. He said, I've served him. And talking about Jesus, I have served Jesus and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior. And after a few more attempts to try to get him to renounce his faith, they executed him. They, uh, 
They, they tied him to a stake. They wanted to nail him to the stake. He asked them not to nail him to the stake because he said the God that brought me here can sustain me from this without any nails. And so they just roped him to the stake and lit him on fire. And as the flames came up, he was heard to have been praying for his captors and giving praise to Jesus as he burned alive. Friends, I want to tell you that is someone that took seriously the call to remain faithful. Listen, the, the truth is, is that for most of us in the United States, we're not going to have to face that. And so you won't have life-threatening decisions to face, but you will all face life-altering decisions. We all face life-altering decisions all throughout our lives. When we're young, as we get older, even into our final days, decisions that could alter our life. And the question is whether or not we're going to be faithful to God in our decisions about dating, in our decisions about marriage, our decisions about our career and our education, our decisions about you know who or what we're going to support, what kind of causes we're going to invest in in this world, decisions about what to teach our, what to teach our children, decisions about how to deal with depression and anxiety, decisions about health and well-being. Listen, here's the deal. The world tells us to make decisions based on our feelings, but the Bible tells us to make decisions based on our faith in Christ. The world says, hey, when the, when the going gets tough, just leave. Just walk away. Just do something else. God says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. you got to trust me. I have a will. I, I, I'm, I'm leading you somewhere. I know it's hard today, but there's something on the other side of this. And you've got to trust me. The world tells us to make decisions on our feelings, but the Word of God tells us to make decisions on a Christ-centered faith. Listen, you better believe that the devil's going to throw things at you, but you need to understand that the will of God will never be held hostage by the devices of the devil. God still has a will. He still has a plan. He still has a direction for you. Jesus says, be faithful. When your world is falling apart, be faithful. When you face troubling and tribulating times, be faithful. Always trust the heart and the will of God. He's powerful. He's perceiving. He's pressing in that he is pressing us forward towards his will. But he is also promising. He's promising. Okay? We see um, this promise here. He says uh, in verse, at the end of verse 10 and the end of verse 11, he's talking about being faithful. And he says, and I will give you the crown of life. And, and he ends his letter by saying this. He says, the one who conquers or the one who endures will never be harmed by the second death. Now, when you take the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation and you smash it together with uh, the, the, the con in the context of the culture of Smyrna at this time, we see three awesome pictures of the promise of Jesus. We're going to go through them really quickly. The first picture is the promise of that crown of life. The promise of a crown of life of life. There's two different words for crown in the Greek. There's the kind of crown that a king wears, you know, like the Queen of England, uh, like she wears. And then 
there's the word Stephanos, where, where we, we get the word Stephan, the, the name Stephanie from. Stephanos. It means crown. But it's not a king's crown. It's a victor's crown. It's the crown that someone gets at the end of the race. When they finish the race, when they have, when they have endured, they are given this crown as a trophy for the winning athlete. And so it would have made perfect sense in Smyrna, and here's why. Because Smyrna was well known in, all throughout Asia. It was, a, it, was a, it was a big city. Most of these uh, cities, uh, most of these areas that the letters are written to are, are influential cities and areas. But one of the names that Smyrna was given and that people would refer to Smyrna as is the crown of Asia. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to give you a crown of life, he was telling them that, that, that although everyone else enjoyed the temporary perk of living in the crown of Asia, an, a, an area known as the crown of Asia, believers in Christ will enjoy the eternal blessings of the crown of life that is given in heaven. Because remember, the crown of Asia wasn't such a hot place to live if you were a believer. It wasn't much of a perk if you were a believer. It probably felt like a punishment at times. And Jesus says, if you will endure and be faithful to me in this culture, you're not going to live temporarily in the crown of Asia, but I'm going to give you a crown of life. He, he promises them the crown of life. And then uh, the, uh, the other thing that, that we see, he, he, he promises them at the end of this passage, he says that the one who overcomes uh, can be assured of, of this particular promise that, that, uh, that, that they will not uh, face the second death. They will not be harmed by the second death. He is saying to them that, uh, that you can be assured of one thing. Even though you may face physical death in this life, you will not face a spiritual one. And, and so when he's talking about the fact that they're not going to face a, a spiritual death, a second death, he's talking about heaven, right? He's talking about heaven. Have you ever heard some of the descriptions of heaven? Have you ever heard uh, some of the things they say about heaven, about the crystal sea and the, the streets of gold and the pearly gates and all those descriptions we see throughout the book of Revelation? It's really interesting. You know, in Smyrna... There was a main road that ran through Smyrna where the merchants would gather to do their business. And also on different ends of this road were pagan temples of worship where people would walk from one temple and walk down the road to the other temple and they were worshiping these false gods. And you know what the name of the street that was the main street in Smyrna, the main street in Smyrna, that, that had all these temples to false gods. You know what the name of the street was? The street of gold. The street of gold. What's Revelation 21, 21 say? It says that the main streets of the city will be, will be pure as gold. And so this is something that, that is, is, as you move through the book of Revelation, someone who grew up in Smyrna, this would have hit them hard because... Here they're living in a culture that worships false gods where people walk around celebrating in, in all this pagan worship and this, uh, you know, th these evil things and they walk around on the street of gold. And yet 
Christ says that if you endure this suffering, that there's a street of gold in heaven. Here's, here's what it tells us. While people temporarily walk through the streets of gold and worship at the throne of false deities, those who are in Christ will forever walk the streets of gold and worship at the throne of the one true God who is creator of the universe, savior to all. Here's the third picture very quickly. It's the picture of myrrh. The, the, Smyrna was known for producing myrrh. That's where the, the myrrh part of Smyrna comes from, city of myrrh. Myrrh was a, was, was a, 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 a crop that was grown and it was processed and it was used for many things. You probably most notably know that it was used in the burial process. It, was a, it had a sweet aroma, but yet it was connected to death and it was, it was a real interesting thing. But myrrh, myrrh was given to Christ when, when, by the wise men at his birth, right? Myrrh was, uh, was uh, anointed onto his body after he had died. And that was part of how they processed the body for burial. And so one of the things you have to understand about how myrrh was made. And again, this is just, when you think about the people that lived in this culture... Man, what, a, what an amazing picture this is of what it means to be faithful to Christ. But, but myrrh, when it's processed, it's processed by crushing it up. It's crushed up. Sometimes it, it can be pressed in and go through a process where it's pressed over and over even after it's crushed. And then the oil is squeezed out of it, right? What's interesting is even though it has been crushed, it produces something that is useful for other Things. And here is the picture of myrrh in Smyrna, in the promise of God. If you are in Christ, you will suffer in this life. But if you trust God, if you're faithful to Him, He's going to take that brokenness and out of it, He will press something useful and something beneficial that will be used for His glory, harvested for His kingdom in the days to come. Let's pray.